Hey there, Snow Day Pod listeners. We realized after we wrapped this most recent episode that it was going to come out just before the holiday season. So on behalf of the four of us here at the pod, I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and the happiest of New Year's. We hope that you get to spend lots of time celebrating with your friends and family and loved ones. And we also want to remind everyone that for some people, the holiday season can be a difficult time. It's more important than ever that we reach out to the people around us and check in. This COVID stuff has been around for a long time. It's been a long grind. We all know that mental health challenges are at an all-time high. It's just a really important time to make sure that everyone feels supported. So on behalf of the guys, we're asking that you take a little bit of extra time over the next coming weeks, reach out to everyone around you, you know, send a text, pick up the phone, give them a phone call, drop in and see people. It's really hard to tell sometimes when people are struggling, even the people that look the happiest on the outside sometimes are having challenges on the inside. So reach out, reach out. If you're listening to this and you're having trouble, and you don't have anyone to talk to, hit us up. You can find us on social media at SnowDayPod on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email at SnowDayPod at gmail.com. You know, we're here for you the way you guys are here for us. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. It's December 2021. This is episode 46, Marriage. We sprinkled in a little divorce, too. So here's the disclaimer. Yeah, there's some swearing. Maybe it's a little inappropriate at times, but my mom hasn't stopped listening yet, so it can't be that bad. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. Love and marriage, love and marriage. I distinctly remember kissing a girl as a child, you know, not minding that the girl had like the beginning of a mustache. It was a Portuguese way. Have one without the other love and marriage love. CEO Leslie Hansen. I'm not a big fan of hyphenated names. I can never figure out if the first name was the maiden name and the second name is the married name or vice versa. And they will say it's Ella. And me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. I have now worn those shoes to almost every big event in my life. When I first pitched this topic, the way I saw it playing out was Marnie and I just had our 25th wedding anniversary. George had not too long ago uh, let us know that he got engaged and we were super excited to be bringing Megan officially into the Snow Day podcast family. And Les was, a spoiler alert, in a long-term relationship with Alex. I wanted the perspective on 
a long-term relationship not being married. Less between when we first pitched this topic and today. Uh, Alex and I had to get engaged in advance of this so I could screw up your plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was a kind of a funny back and forth because I pitched the marriage topic and I didn't know how you guys were going to feel about it. And talking about a, a couple of divorces, I guess, and new relationships, it felt easier for me to talk about marriage. But Les, you didn't shy away from it at all and, and sort of pushed me a couple times on it. And I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> and then it turns out you were getting married. So I don't know if maybe that's why you were you were pushing us in that direction. So it's a little bit of a different perspective, but I, I really like it. I mean, when you told us that you guys were getting engaged, I was just absolutely over the moon because, I mean, I hung out with both of you and this is going to be great and Alex is top shelf, but it, it kind of does put a little bit of a different spin on this. So Marnie and I just went through 25 George, how long ago were you divorced and now when did you guys get engaged? Yeah, so we were together for 13 years. I mean, there's a good chance that this pod will be more successful than my first marriage. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been at it for like four or five years, right? So like we're not, we're not in the honeymoon stage anymore. <laughs> so that's been, you know, divorced for six or seven years and then engaged last Christmas. Those are the stats. Yeah. Les, give us your numbers. What you got? Yeah. And I mean, that sounds like massive success to me, George, because my first marriage was five years. So the pod is going to catch it pretty quickly. <laughs> I've been divorced now, I think, 13 years. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Bruce just got engaged uh, about a month ago here. So, yeah. How long were you together before you got married? And I, I only say that because Marnie and I were living together in Hamlet of Joe Haven, George, for two years. And in the eyes of that whole community, and probably even in ours, we were married already. So it almost felt like we were married for a couple of years before we legitimately got married. Now, before we moved there, it wasn't like that, right? We weren't living together. And it's like, did you live together? Did, did you feel like you were kind of married before you were married? No, because we were in different cities and at what time in different provinces. And one of the decisions I made when I was going to move overseas is I thought it was going to be unfair to ask my girlfriend to move across the world together without a little bit more of a stake in the ground, like, uh, you know, a seriousness to this adventure that we were going to have, which ended up being a great adventure in Australia for nearly five years. I mean, we became citizens. We had a child there. So very, very positive. So like all in, uh, by the time I was divorced at 45, I had spent a third of my life, like between the two years before and the 13 together. So it was not a small amount of time. It was a significant uh, relationship. Yeah. So, uh, but really, it really started overseas. Like we weren't in the same place. Like we we're often together, but physically living together in the same space only happened in Sydney, Australia. Believe it or not, it's almost hard for me to remember because this is going back like 20 years. I want to say we were together about two and a half years before we got married. That feels about right. No, it didn't feel like we were married before we got married. I mean, we lived together for a while, you know, but we were young. I think it was, I was married at 33 and divorced at 38, you know, so we were like early 30s. Everybody's kind of like settling down, getting married. It was, it was pretty in line with what most of our friend group was doing. So it just sort of happened, you know? And this has totally changed for me. Does somebody being married matter to you or not if they're in a long-term relationship? And one of Marnie's best friends, friend of the pod, Tara Warren, 
Big by Tara. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to tune you like a fifth grader. Oh, <laughs> that Tara. Yeah, that's yeah, and that Tara. Yeah. Steve, I will tune you, you up. Right? No, no fucking right. fifth grader. No, no, fifth grader. <laughs> Don't make me throw your ass into the hallway. Go ahead, this there, skinny man. Fuck, I love that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In my mind, married. So Graham McLean, her partner, they have a son who's nine. So her and Graham have been together for 12, 13, 14 years, but they're not married. In my mind, they're going to be together forever. They have a cabin together, a house, all that stuff. They're a committed relationship. But I used to not care more. Now there is a little something. I probably can't say this both ways. It's not judgy. I'm fine with people being together forever, and I believe that you can be committed, but I think there is something to getting married. Do you feel one way or the other on like actually making that commitment? <laughs> and you obviously just recently did, so... I'm going to fall on the other side of that argument. Um, it's a little bit based on my personal history, and, and, and certainly our collective, but when we were growing up, and all of my parents' friends, there's one single guy, one divorced guy, that I ever knew growing up. Everybody else was uh, in married, like all the parent, all my parents hung around with married people. There was a huge Portuguese community. No one even talked about divorce. No one knew about divorce. I'm sure there's lots of shitty relationships happening, but that was just not even on the radar. Fast forward to what happened in our lives. I almost feel more comfortable when I'm in a group that has like a mixture. I like married couples. I like people that are divorced. I like people who are recently married or recently divorced. As my friend network gets a little bit bigger, I now golf with guys that have young kids who started their children at the same age as me. So they're younger, like 10 years. And I have people who are older, whose kids are older. Um, and, and I kind of like it. I've really been enjoying following this one particular friend that's gone through all the super angry phases of the <laughs> divorce, like where I remember being that angry guy or no, the, I'm so ashamed. I don't want to tell anybody. I'm going to hide it as much as possible. Then it happens. Then we all get drunk a few times together. Then he goes into that like super sad and then fucking angry, hates all women, becomes a fucking whore and tries to screw as many women as possible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funnest of the phases that you go through, I think, when you're getting divorced. <laughs> I know, that is a really super fun phase. But then all the guys around him going like, what the fuck it ever happened to John? Now he's like away. He's never fucking hanging out with us. He's banging broads. He's, you know, and then he's, you know, swinging back into a serious relationship. So it's been really fun seeing what you went through, but you didn't know you were going through it until you see somebody else go through it. I thought the pod was about marriage, not about divorce. <laughs> uh, I, I actually think it's so common now, vis-a-vis -vis half of Zara's friends' family, like kids are divorced. Like she's in no way some leper, like we were in the 70s and 80s where you would stick out as being the only kid from a divorced family. It's so common now that I don't mind. And I actually sort of, applaud people who choose to go against the institution of marriage, just like big bet uh, T. Warren and just chooses to be with somebody and and that's good enough. She's like the Goldie Hawn of Thomas of Manitoba. <laughs> Her and Kurt Russell, they're just together forever and that's good enough. I think it's interesting how much this has changed over our generation. Because, yeah, when we were growing up, we had one friend whose parents were divorced. 
we don't have to name him. I think we all know who we're talking about. We had one buddy. Kirk Fedgy. <laughs> oh, two. <laughs> two. <laughs> I was going to say Krekowitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, you, there was two. Those are the only two I can think of. I always think of Krekowitz as like my only friend who had divorced parents growing up. And yeah. now, Bruce, I don't know if you realize how much of an anomaly you are. I mean, even on this pod, two of the three of us on this episode, throw in Steve, three of the four of us have been divorced because Steve has been divorced as well. He wouldn't mind me saying that. But I think most of my friends uh, have been divorced. Most of them, like definitely more than 50%. Some of them have remarried. Some of them are not. It's such a normal thing now that it's completely changed, I think, the thinking on a lot of things over the course of our generation. For myself personally, it's not very important to me at all. And I know I just got engaged, so it might sound kind of funny <laughs> saying that, but I would have been completely fine if Alex and I stayed together for the next 40 years and never got married. Wouldn't have bothered me at all. Now, maybe that's because I've been married already. I went through it, you know, whatnot. It was more important to her. And I was like, okay, well, fine. I have no issue getting remarried. We have several friends who, like George was saying, you know, when we're together and you're in couples, some are married and some are not. And I don't think anyone views the couples any differently one way or the other. I like that one. And it's it's funny you say that because Marnie and I were sort of talking about this a little bit before we jumped on. And I kind of said the same thing as you, Les. I think it was more important to Marnie to get married than me. It felt very natural. I didn't feel uncomfortable about it at all. But I also didn't feel a, an incredibly hard push to get married. Yeah. It just seemed like this was the next step in what we're going to do. And we had been living together for a while. And 25 years ago, getting married was more important than it is now. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's, it's a combination for us, Bruce. It's a combination of the world has changed in those 25 years. And I think when you're 25 years old, it's more important to you than when you're 50 years old. Right? Regardless of you who has a successful marriage for 25 years, George and I who went through it start, finish, you know, start over to young people, like you're growing up, it's like, this is the, the path that life is going to take. You're going to go to high school, you're going to university, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to like, this is the life direction that we all sort of, uh, I don't want to say have, have been led to believe because that makes it sound like it's not true. This is what we, we generally believe in as society. So you have an expectation, I think, when you're young. And then as you get older, I think you just are more able to recognize that life goes in all sorts of different directions and you can't plan for the unexpected and different people do things differently and shit just works out, right? So you have <laughs> less of a, of a need, I think, to feel like you're progressing through the steps in the proper order or you're doing what you were supposed to do with your life because you realize, yeah, shit, that's like, <laughs> you know, not really the way things work. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a big part of it as well. I feel like you described that really well because the, the getting married part to me just felt natural and it was a little bit of a, what the world wants. And, and now we've ended up at 25 years and I don't, not for one minute feel like we did something better than anybody else. It's lucky. We, we're still good friends and we, we hang out and yeah. that's great. And when we had kids, I was kind of the same way. I wasn't like, I need to have kids today, but it was like, yeah, I could have kids now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it worked out great and it was the right time in our lives. And, and so maybe like, I'm just clueless floating through my life. Things have gone kind of my way. No, it's okay. Bruce, I think you did do something better than last night. You made a very 
difficult life decision work. And I think you shouldn't give yourself the credit that you're due. And I think you shouldn't give yourself the credit that you're due. I really hope he meant should. Because I can certainly speak for myself, and I bet you Les would agree, it's an incredibly embarrassing thing to fail. Mm-hmm. Like a marriage is a, is, is a big thing, and uh, it's very embarrassing when it doesn't work out because Les and I have been two very successful people, and that's probably on our top three most embarrassing failures of our lives. We didn't want it to happen, <laughs> or number one. People on the Zoom call can see Les putting up that this was the number one, <laughs> the, the finger. <laughs> and it kind of leads a little bit into the institution of marriage because you have both said it in different ways. Whether we knew it or not, we were set up, society had asked us to follow a certain path. That's what the institution of marriage is. Bruce, you were in your tw- you were 25. It seemed like the right thing to do. Less overtly said, all my friends were in that stage of their life. We were in our early 30s. We're, too young. we're a power couple in Toronto. We felt like we should get up married. I felt the same thing. I had finished my training. I'm a doctor now. I feel like I should like, you know, like there was a narrative that we were listening to, whether we believed it or not, that pushed us in a certain direction. So I'm interested in your comments on about how you felt about that. If there was almost a coercion by society. The institution of marriage asked you to get married. Uh, Society pushes it. You should do it. It's the right thing to do. It's a short answer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I should ask Marnie to get married because her family expected it a little bit. She expected it. And it just seemed like the right thing to do. When we moved up to Joe Haven, we weren't married and lived together for a couple of years. My parents weren't happy about that. Obviously, that turned out okay. So, yeah, I think you're right, George. There was was probably more pressure from outside of me than from inside of me to get married. The only thing I could say to that is I had a good feeling that I wasn't going down a doomsday path. Marnie and I always had lots of fun together. Like, we got along great. We had lived together now for two years in Joe Haven. So, like, you hate to say that's a practice, but... Yeah, that was a good test, too, because that's very isolated. Almost as isolated as pandemic living. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it was pandemic yeah. living like we always joked about this 95% of our day the only time we weren't together was if one of us went to the bathroom right? <laughs> like, we had a very small house we spent all our time together you know we played a little bit of sports and stuff but really we were together all the time for two years and it was great yeah so that's that's probably how we knew we had a good shot I didn't say we were going to make it but <laughs> we we had a good shot and it's turned out great a generation ago, they used to refer to it as making an honest woman of her. <laughs> being in a relationship and being unwed was a questionable scenario for a man to put a woman in. It was viewed, uh, you know, pretty harshly by by a lot of people of that older generation. You know, depending on what culture and and what religion they were, it's, that's how people talked. Yeah. Like it's uh, it's it's sort of what we were indoctrinated with. Yeah, yeah. which now I don't know. Um, I certainly don't feel that way now. And again, I don't know if it's because I'm older or because time, you know, the like society has changed because both things have happened at the same time. So I can't really isolate the variable. I think it's a combination of both. We should call Guy Hansen right now, which we will not do. We will not. (laughs) But was there any shame in getting a divorce 
for our parents. When we were seven years old, if if you got divorced, whereas now there's almost, there's part of me that says good. If you're not getting along, then what are you legging this out for, right? This is going to kind of sound weird to say, but the best thing that happened to our generation was embracing the idea of getting divorced. Because previous generations, people just stayed in terrible marriages. They stayed in terribly unhappy situations because maybe you go back far enough, it wasn't even allowed. <laughs> and depending on where you were living and you know what church you went to, it was hard. And people stayed in very bad situations for a long time. And that's shitty. I'm not going to say that I'm pro-divorce. Obviously, that's a ridiculous thing to say. But I'm a big believer in course correction in life. Right? I'm a big believer in course correction. You start down a path and things aren't working you need to course correct on that path and you need to figure out what is going to work for you and what's going to make you happy. You know, what's going to create a positive environment in your life. If getting out of a relationship is what it's going to take, then that's what a person should do. And moreover to that course correction is the understanding that uh, your course is completely different in what decade of life you live. I've actually had oh, this yeah. conversation with, with Megan. I've had, and I even had it with my mom not that long ago where I just think about myself in my 20s in med school, super selfish. You know how motivated and how directed I was to this is what I was going to do. Nothing was going to stop me. I was going to do it. And I remember girlfriends at the time saying, like, I can't believe, you know, you're not making any time for me. And my usual answer is it's because you're not more important than what I want to do. Like, it would, like I wouldn't even hesitate. <laughs> I would just outright say that to them. Mm -hmm. And it was harsh, but it, it was the truth. It was being a prick, but it was the truth. Then you get into your 30s, and then for all the things we've just said, well, you feel that you should get married, you're doing the right thing, it's you're settling down, quote unquote, and you know you're not you're not the bachelor anymore. You gotta you know do what you have to do, uh, and then you you know move forward to Les and I, you know, um, doing this all over again in our 50s. I'm such a better guy than I was 25 years ago. Like I'm just a better human being. I'm so much less of a prick. No, no, I'm not completely not a prick. Uh, I'm so much less selfish. I'm so much less. I'm so, I think I'm more patient. Uh, I think I'm, I'm much more reflective. And so that course correction comes with the base of, well, I'm just a different person. And I, I think I'm going to be a much better husband at this age, at the second time around, I, I tell Megan, you just have a better version of George. Mm -hmm. it, I wasn't like a, a horrible human being back then. Uh, that's not why I got divorced or what made it fail or all those reasons. I'm just different. I'm just better. And, and that's the course correction. I think that's the good thing uh, that society allows. It allows you to fail more readily and allows you to get back on the horse mm -hmm. and sort of course correct. So I, yeah. And then with that, I would caution people then, if we're going <laughs> to talk about marriages, you, you should realize, and I think Bruce, you're lucky that the two of you changed in the same direction. Most people don't mm -hmm. train track together in parallel. Like that, that's actually a rare thing that you guys both grow in the same direction. You both have the same needs. You both are the same people changing decade after decade. That's actually pretty rare, including the three of us. Mm -hmm. Like we're just different guys than we were when we were kids. We're still friends, but I think we've changed quite a bit. Who you think you're going to be in 10 years, you have no idea. You can't possibly predict who you're going to be. Because I, I think I predicted totally wrong. I'd be interested in what you have to say about this, George. The second time around, at age 50, it was 
much easier for me to decide to get married. That might seem, um, I don't know what term I want to use. Counterintuitive? That might seem counterintuitive. But I think it's because, like coming back to what you were saying, I'm a very different guy at 50 than I was at 40, than I was at 30, than I was at 20. I think what you said, George, is very perceptive. You change so much over your course of life. But at this stage of life, I feel incredibly confident of who I am and what I want. And there's like sort of like a comfort level that comes with age and wisdom. And you're just like, yep, this is my life now. And this is freaking awesome. And I can envision it. When I was 30, I still had so much that I wanted to do, felt I needed to do, compelled. Like there's so much like highway in front of you, right? And you can see it all as change. And you're kind of hoping, okay, let's latch on together and let's hope this is going to work out for together. But like what you were saying, George, it's like, I got a lot of shit that I need to do, that I need to do, not we. It makes it very difficult. Whereas now at this stage of life, you know, it's much easier for me to say, yep, I can absolutely see myself doing this for the rest of my life. I think that just tells me that most people get married way too young. <laughs> well, no, that's exactly correct. I, 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 especially since we're living longer and people change. Yeah. And we've talked about this in previous pods of how society has changed so dramatically that I think in years gone by, decade per decade, there wasn't the same revolution that was happening. I mean, people talk about the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, but... I mean, whatever, fashion and music changed. There was a couple of like wars overseas. But at the the end of the day, the societal structure and the family structure didn't change very much. Like it was still the 2.2 kids, the the husband and the wife, gay marriage was not even a thing. But really in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, there's been such a paradigm shift in just even the way we perceive our own sexuality. Like everything is in question and in flux constantly that... Uh, I, w- I would caution people to say, hey, if it's going to work out, just hang out for a little bit because I'm not quite sure you think you know who you are and certainly you have no idea where you're going to be five years from now. Like zero idea. <laughs> I'm not sure about the cautioning about starting later, but I think I just like where it's okay if it ends. Yeah. And I don't like that and it's messy and it's no fun and it sucks, but... And it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that one. Because that's a pretty important one. But it's worth it, George. But um boom. It's money I'd spend again. I also wouldn't say don't try. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Maybe that's a Marnie now. You're right. Like we luckily yeah. we've found I mean, we started off as sports people together, right? That's basically what brought us together was volleyball. And now we play music together more than we do sports and we have our kids and we have the cottage and all that. So like you said, we're exactly lucky that we've maneuvered through that, but I can totally see where you wouldn't. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. I don't think Les and I are going to say, neither one of our comments are coming across that we're (laughs) anti-marriage. Of course not. Since we both just got engaged. (laughs) Exactly. Worked out. Let's go to institution of marriage and the grotesqueness of it, but. (laughs) (laughs) And the grotesqueness. I don't even know what that, what that statement means. I saw that on the agenda and I'm like, okay, I got, someone's going to have to explain this to me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what that bridezilla. Here we come. Do you care if your kids get married or not? Someday I think they should. I think think don't rush into it. Don't feel like you have to get married at 22 because 
whatever, you've been with somebody for a year, but somewhere along the line, I think you should. So I have a uh, top 10 mental list that I'm saving for my daughter and for my son. The things that dad has learned. <laughs> this, is the, this is the wisdom I'm bestowing to you. Referring to yourself in the third person again, which I love. You did it earlier too when you said something about George. But in- <laughs> yeah, dad is talking, listen. <laughs> and one of the things that I'll say in a slightly different way is you should not get married until you, for, for Sebastian, for sure, as a guy, I'll say, I don't think you should get married until you're in your early 40s and only when you want kids. Because I think you're going to be a better person, a better dad, and a better partner. For Zara, it'll be a little bit different for different reasons. Uh, and so, to answer your question, I do want them to, because I think it could be a it could be awesome. But I think they should wait if they can. But I would support their decision if it was earlier, just because of the experiences that Les and I have had, and more than half of their parents' friends have had. Concentrate on yourself. Make yourself whole before you try to pretend to live up to one of the lies that the institution of marriage delivers to you and that you are somehow complete somebody else or the two of you complete each other. That That's a big, gross lie that, that, that marriage sells to you because uh, you don't. You're really just giving relationship advice as opposed to the institution of marriage advice when you chop that down. Because I, I agree with you with what you're saying. But I think that just purports to relationships and not just marriage. Yeah, that, that's true. But in particular, a marriage, because it's got, I think, a bigger consequence. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess what I would say on that topic is for, for young people to not expect that marriage is going to change a relationship. That, you know, you're like getting married. So all of a sudden things are more serious or they're different or they're like special. It's not like you know, the, the world changes a shade from blue to pink when you get married. You're still in a relationship. It's still the, the same basic constructs of finding your way through a relationship with another person and, and making that work for both of you and making sure that both people are happy and satisfied. Whether you're married or not married, those concepts are still exactly the same. So I think a lot of people fall into marriage thinking, it's going to change something or it's going to improve something because it makes it more serious, which I think is a mistake. And I think that I would tie to the, the concept of the, the lie that is sold to young people about marriage and really about, it's like the wedding industry. That's um, the process of getting married. <laughs> that is a horrible institution, <laughs> right? As we're, as we're both preparing to, uh, to head down that path again. Right. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit less though. Okay. I think that getting married and saying it out loud makes it more real. And now you have put a little bit more pressure on your relationship and maybe you're going to put a little bit more time and effort into it. And I think that did happen for Marnie and I. Yeah, we stood up in front of 125 people and said, we're going to stick together. And we want to, and we like each other. And I think there is something, and I think probably that's why marriage has lasted as long as it has, because when you say it out loud and you say it in front of a bunch of people, you're a little bit more committed. And so not to say that you can't be committed and you can't make your relationship and all of that stuff work yeah. without doing that. But there's something to that. I really, I really believe that. The only counter that I have to that, Bruce, is that every person who gets divorced 
also stood up in front of 125 people <laughs> and said the exact same thing. So I don't, I don't think that is the, the, you know, the miasma that holds you guys together. I don't think that's the defining moment that keeps yeah. you together, but I think yeah. that's a little push in the right direction. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not saying that's the only glue that there is, yeah. but I think that that helps you to say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit more time into this. It's like every, when you're going to quit smoking, you, if you tell people your chances are better. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I I agree with that. I agree with that. Whenever you make a goal public, something magic happens. Yeah. And that, and that magic is that it gets out in the atmosphere and it forces you to be more compliant yourself to what you said you were going to do without, without a doubt. I'm a big believer in that. Probably the people that you've invited to your wedding wrap around you a little bit too, right? (laughs) Like like if I call you guys and go, ah, Marnie and I had a crappy day, you know, she, why did she do this? They're like, eh, you know (laughs) what? You're being a dick. I have those same conversations with friends who have been in relationships for 15 years and aren't married. True. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the only path, but I'm saying that's probably part of the. Yeah. No, fair point. Part of the reason that, that people want to get married. Okay. I'm going to throw in one more before we start crapping on the institution of marriage, which we may or may not do. Take the name. Yes or no. Have you guys talked about this? Uh, yeah, I, I don't care. It's her choice. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what she'll decide to do, but I don't care. And I've told her that. I said, it's totally up to you. I'm not a big fan of hyphenated names only because I, I have this like mental block. Whenever I see a hyphenated last name for a woman, I can never figure out if the first name was the maiden name and the second name is the married name or vice versa. So I look at it and I get confused. We need a convention. So I'm not a huge fan of hyphenated names because of that. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's 2021. Whatever Alex wants to do with her name, she'll do. And, you know, I'm fine with that. It's interesting because I come from such a traditional Mediterranean family that, it never, you know, Carrie, my ex, it never even occurred to me for for me to ask her to take the last name. Like we had it very early on. And I said, look, to go through all the paperwork of changing everything, fast forward to change it back. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it worked out in in that, that made it one step easier. That ties a little bit into the old fashioned subjugation of women. Like that's always resonated because I have strong female models in my life that I didn't like that idea of somebody having to give up their own name. I don't like hyphenated names. I think you're making up a new name, just like when, you know, I remember this person in med school and I'm sure they're divorced because their fucking relationship was so tragic and everybody knew it, but he was such a fucking pussy that he got convinced to make up a new name between the two last names. And when he announced it, I never spoke to him like after that. I barely knew him and I couldn't even say he was an acquaintance. I literally cut him off. I said, that's a terrible idea. If you're going to start off with your relationship with such a fucking terrible idea, like just keep your name, let her keep hers, hyphenate it, whatever. I think that's also stupid. But if you're deciding to make, like I'm just trying to think of what a name would be between the three of us, <laughs> Hansel Perez. Cranston, like it's so fucking bad. I am sure they're divorced. I'm not going to obviously mention who their names are, but it was just such so I'm so against that. But to get back to the thing, I think people should keep their own names. However, I will concede that my children, I was pretty steadfast on them having my last name. I said, uh, I don't care about you taking my names, but the kids have got to have my last name. 
And I, had, I got no pushback on that at all, like zero pushback, which I was actually a bit surprised on. I'm not sure why that is because, you know, I was involved for maybe two minutes on both occasions <laughs> to conceive the children. <laughs> and, she, like, and that included foreplay probably, as people will point out, and it's something that's very uncomfortable to talk about with most guys. When you're deciding to have children, it becomes a very different sex life. Like it's a very methodical, timed, must, this must happen. So it's like it totally takes away anything. So I'm sure in that point of conception, it wasn't a very long process. We'll have another pod where we talk about <laughs> yeah. that, I guess, George, if you want to. I think that's a very funny part about having kids. You know, the women should have a right to decide because they do all the work, they carry the kid, they have delivery. Yeah, you know what? I wanted my kids to have my last name and it worked out. <laughs> Interestingly, I feel like I'm with you, Jordan. I don't know if I'm with you on much of that. <laughs> you're, with, you're with me on all of it, buddy. Careful, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I asked Marnie about the, the name thing because I was with you. Like, I, I honestly feel awkward about asking someone to take your name. Like that felt, even when we were young, and when it wasn't as big of a conversation as it is now, it felt okay. And I was ex just happy when it was easy. And Marnie said, yeah, I want to change my name. Now she said, I'm so happy we did because I want our whole family to have the same name and we're a team. Yeah. We're a group. Oh, that's cool. And we're all the yeah, same, yeah. right? And we're part of this family. And um, I had never thought of it that way. And it, it sort of lends a whole other side of that conversation mm -hmm. to me where I can see why that's important. You pick one and you go with it. And... Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, like the team or the tribe. The tribe. You're a nuclear family, you're together. So that, that part of it is good. Let's talk about it. What do you think about commercialization? What are your weddings going to look like? I don't know if you guys have talked about it, but I, I want to hear what it's going to look like. I've always looked back and thought with us feeling a bit of social pressure to get married, the, the wedding in the church and the whole thing we did, you know, the social to raise money, all that stuff was super fun. Absolutely no regrets. But even at the time, I wasn't sure I loved it, right? And my uncle's a pastor, so he married us and it was all easy and comfortable and and it was great. But sometimes I think if I did it again, I'd probably want my wedding to be more of a, just a two or three day party. And I don't mean party in terms of like a drunken mess from Friday night to Sunday morning, but just sort of people around and at times you, maybe you exchange your vows and you do some, you know, meaningful speeches and, and those kind of things, but I'm not exactly sure I'm committed to a church wedding. Where are you at with the bride show, the wedding show at the convention center in Calgary, spending $40,000 on this wedding? Where, or, or maybe more, or maybe less, I don't know. Les, Lester, you got this one? Are you going to go first, Les? <laughs> I was going to let you go first because you've uh, you're you're ten months into your plan, <laughs> and I'm like closer. ten days into mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're probably ahead of me. But uh, uh, just like quickly, Bruce, I don't know. We haven't really made any plans uh, other than I know we're not getting married in a church. Neither of us has any desire to do that. I didn't get married in a church last time either. The ceremony itself will be. Very simple at our wedding. We both agreed on that, whether it be a justice yeah. of the peace or whatever, just something like that to us is not the important part of the event. Neither of us is religious. So I understand that that plays into, you know, people's thinkings on that, um, how they were raised and whatnot, but that's, that won't be a part of yeah. our process. Wedding dress, super fancy 
something. So maybe oh, not the I, church part. Are, are you going to invite us to, because I mean, I'm there. <laughs> to, of course, no, no, you guys are both invited. You I'll bring my, invited. I'll bring my tux. And yeah, if yeah. you guys are all dressed up, bring the tux, bring the mun cup. Put it on display somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I should. That'd be the best. But is there going to be a big event? Yeah, we haven't thought about it too much. Here's what I will say, and everybody will chuckle because it's so cliche, but weddings are about brides. So whatever Alex decides she really wants to have happen on her wedding day is what will happen on her wedding day. I don't think it'll be a huge event, you know, nothing, you know, over the top. Just a good coming together of people um, that we care about to be there with us. And then all the you know, random things that she's thought about during her life that she wanted to have happen on her special day. <laughs> so whatever those end up looking like. And one or two of yours. Don't play yourself out. Pick pick something. If I got married again and again, like a, we had the best time and I have absolutely no regrets. Yeah. And I think I'm where you are now when I want to have a big special day and I want to have lots of fun with my friends, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily have to be in the church and we Maybe we do need to have a big cake. Maybe we don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But we get to choose, right? <laughs> Bruce, Les and I are getting married together. I want you to renew your vows with us on the same day. We're going to have a snow day wedding. It's going to be a snow day wedding. <laughs> it's a snow day wedding. The three of us will all get married again. We're there. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> you do touch on a couple of you know, good points there about expectations and then you move ahead a couple of decades and everybody is saying the same thing. You're trying to celebrate a special moment with people that you love. And so how you do that is probably less important, but it will be more important to one person. So whoever that person is should have it. Les and I have had that day already. We know that our respective partners have not. And so it's logical that we want to give them that day because they've thought about it for longer than we have. They've dreamt about it. And why would you not want to give somebody that you love mm -hmm. something that they've been thinking about probably for a long time? So that's probably what's going to happen. It's certainly going to be in the East Coast because that's where she's from. The number of people will vary. Uh, there is a large attraction, uh, just a, as a follow-up to what you said about it being a party, why destination weddings, I think, resonate with so many people because you get a built-in holiday. You get a built-in fun, right? Like you go there, all the work is done for you. You have this great event, there's a party, and then you're on vacation. So you end up getting two for one. It kind of resonates a little bit with me. It's kind of cool. Like why would you ever get married in January and February? Oh, because yeah. you're doing it in Maui or you're doing it in Cancun. <laughs> like, there is something to be said about that. I will tell you, I've been to both ends now. I've been recently in the last couple of years to a backyard wedding of two people that have been previously married, good friends of mine. It was a small affair. Parents came from Toronto, family came from Edmonton. You know, they both have money, so it's very well catered. It was great booze. It was uh, what they had the space to do it. And it was just as good as 100,000 plus wedding at the Bath Springs Hotel that I've been to twice. You know, where people just drop a ridiculous amount of money because they felt they should do it. They could probably afford it. It's the bridezilla comment that you made, Bruce, earlier where people get caught up in this day that ends up 
almost getting out of control. So I guess the advice I would give to people out of this long rant is if you dumb it down a little bit and make sure the people that are there are supposed to be there, you'll probably end up spending way less money and have way more fun. My nephew and his wife got married not long ago in Banff and it was an Instagram wedding. So they had a videographer and a photographer and hair and makeup, like honest to God. And the, their wedding video is like something mm. off of TV. Right? <laughs> like, like, like if you saw that in a theater and everything was just perfect, but from talking to everybody there, a little piece of that wedding was just, this was like being on a movie set or a TV set, right? Like we were, everything was staged, da da da, versus just bring your friends together. Yeah. Have some fun. The only thing I, I think I would go back to is, is you've both said it's for your fiancés. It's for you too. Like I know it's your second one, but it's for you too. So don't, don't just hand over the day. Not that you're going to do that, but probably a big part of the enjoyment is seeing your partners having a great day, right? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. To see Marnie look fantastic and having a fun day and everybody there. But at the same time, even though it's your second one, it's still your day too. You guys are in this together. So... You know, enjoy it. Yeah, no, absolutely, Bruce. I think that's I think that's good advice, and I I appreciate you saying that. And I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to diminish that it's going to be an important day to me by saying it's whatever Alex wants to do. Obviously, yeah. right? But it's more. I think it's settled on sort of like what George was saying. In my mind, what's important is having a big party with all of my friends. Everybody come. Everybody just come. Be in my space, and we're going to have a great time. On the side of that, I'm going to quickly go over here and get married, but we're going to have this collective fantastic day together, right? Which is going to be awesome. It's the things like the details of what color things are and types of flowers and this and that, that really those types of details aren't that important to me. So, but the actual event itself and people being there and sharing my experience with me, yeah, of course, that's very important to me and will be important to me. So... I don't want to undersell that. Yeah. I just came up with a great question. Who in your wedding have you lost touch with and you wish you could reconnect? Because that goes a little bit to all the important people. I just, you know, because I've been to both of your weddings. You are still friends with many most of the people, which means you pick the right people. And I'm thinking about, you know, my wedding. And there are a couple of people that I have lost touch with that I'm kind of regretful with because they were important then. I feel they're still important to me now. I just, life goes on and you lose touch. Is, uh, do you ever reflect on that? You know, who, who was at my wedding that I have no idea where they are and I wish I did know? Do you guys ever think about that? Yeah, well, I would say I think almost every single person that I will invite to this wedding, I will have invited to my first wedding. There's a few people along the way that I've become close with since then, but I, you know, most of the people who are close, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, this is almost the core of our pod. <laughs> we haven't changed since we were eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Bruce, our 45 year friendship is sort of the essence of why we uh, have these inane banters that random people listen to and wonder what the hell we're talking and, and about. And not to be too cheeky, but we phoned each other yesterday and it was as comfortable as it was 45 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Right. Yeah, George, I would say from my wedding, the only people who are at my wedding who I'm no longer close with, I think would have been 
my ex-wife's family and friends. I don't know that there's anybody <laughs> from my side. Okay. Yeah. So they're dead to you anyways. Oh, they're all dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> I could give a fuck. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> That's been a long time. <laughs> uh, well, Bruce, you'll appreciate this because this was not, this was mentioned not too long ago. I lived with this guy from Rance for a couple of years. And it was Ken Sawchuk. Ken Sawchuk. Can, I used to call him, and you know, I lived with him in two different. Speed, <laughs> come on, that's pretty funny. It's it's solid gold, and, and, and I've actually tried to see where this guy is. Like, I, I'm actually interested. Maybe I'll use this pod to find out where he is. I've tried to find him on Facebook. He has like no social footprint, and uh, in him and I were like really tight. For a while, like we met in res, we lived together in two different times. You know, I have no idea where the guy is, and I'm just thinking of a few other people. But uh, I guess the lucky part of it is that most people that were at my first will be at my second. Yeah. But you should be selective in who you invite to this day because it is important. It, it's a big day to Bruce's point is that it should matter, uh, even though Les and I are saying, well, it's more for the. It, it is a pretty important day. I remember your wedding, George. It was a good time. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't a big affair. It was sort of a smaller one, but it was pretty good. And Bruce, you weren't at, you weren't there. I didn't get there. I said to Marnie, and I can't remember exactly what I... We weren't in Joe Haven. I think we were in Thompson, but honestly, I just think like Canmore going all the way to Alberta, the whole thing was just, it was... Because that's where you got married, right? <laughs> you knew it wasn't going to work out. You you called it. He was wise. He stayed home. He said, <laughs> no, no, no. Basically. <laughs> that's bullshit. I've always been the one you left behind. I was like, I'm in Thompson, man. That's really far away. And I... The three best men at my wedding were James L., who's a regular listener to the pod, Deke, and producer Mike. Talk to all three of those guys this week. Ah, that's awesome. There you go. George, I think I was the MC at your wedding. You were. Oh, nice. See, I should have gone. <laughs> what was I thinking? I did a good job, if I remember. Wise men say Only fools run But I can't help falling in love with you. Another one that, I mean, was not a conversation when I got married was gay marriage. And now my kids' friend group is boys and boys and girls and girls and boys and girls. And it's great. And I couldn't be happier that I can have that comfortable conversation with them. Like it's not even a eyebrow raiser. Where are you guys at? Well, I think they, I think we should make gay divorce illegal and then see how badly they want it. <laughs> I'm going to put a little funny take on it. Uh, yeah, obviously it's a fantastic thing that we've come such a long way. I like that gay marriage in our lifetime, and I think we'd honestly say that kind of has blown up that very antiquated traditional right of view of marriage. So uh, I like it because obviously everybody should have the same rights as everybody else, and that's where that sentence should end. Normally, I use the record scratch to rip George. This time, it's an exclamation point. And that's where that sentence should end. There should be no qualifiers for sexuality, for color, for religion, for creed, blah, 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 blah. So I like that the sentence is getting shorter and shorter in that. And I like that 
gay marriage in and itself is blowing up what I traditionally don't like about the things that we've talked about this part, the things I don't enjoy about the institution of marriage, that symbolizes something that has torn down the traditions of it. So I like it just for that reason, above and beyond the fact that people should decide whatever they want to decide. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a proponent of same-sex marriage. Well, I don't know if that's obvious, but uh, if you've listened to this pod, I'm sure we've probably comes across that I'm pretty left-leaning. But I like that you went to same-sex instead of gay marriage. I'm not sure where, <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah, correct yeah. terminology. Yeah. That's okay. It's good. Um, what I think is interesting for us as three 50-year-old men is how dramatically things have changed over the course of our lives. You know, when we were kids, same-sex marriage was not a thing. And now it's almost hard to believe that it was not a thing that it wasn't accepted. Like it's so obviously the right thing to have in society. It's hard to believe that we ever lived in a society where it was viewed as, as incorrect. And I think that's, you know, probably one of the better things that's happened over the course of our lives that our kids aren't growing up under that same oppression that our friends who were gay grew up with in our generation. And, and that's uh, one of the things that our generation was able to actually move forward properly, progressively. Well, but less, I think it's also important to remark that that's a very thin slice of the world. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we're obviously very open people, but for the vast majority of the world, that is not the case, right? That we're lucky to live where we live. Speaking of the Canadian experience, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. That we, and even south of the border, and I suspect a lot of part of, of Canada uh, would be very, very uncomfortable with that notion. And in many parts, it's, you know, you could die for it in the world. So, but you're right. I, I think your point is very well taken. We give ourselves the smallest pat on the back. Not that we really did much, but at least we didn't argue against it. <laughs> yeah, we did fuck all. <laughs> to tell you the truth, we did zero other than acknowledge the fact. I mean, we grew up with those slurs and those slangs. And, you know, we've talked about it privately we very much grew up the before and after, like the before and after that, the before and after of social media, the before and after of cell phones, like we, before and after 9-11, like whatever. Like we, we are a unique age demographic where we are 25 years before and after some very, very important seminal events in our society. Uh, so I think we're lucky that we've witnessed. I think every 50-year-old will say that about something. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's unique. I don't think that's unique. The only thing that's unique to us is the specific events that we yeah. saw over that and, time period. Yeah. And I will say this. I joke that we have done absolutely nothing, but you, I know you will, and I know Les will, and, and I hope Les has kids. I'm just going to kind of slide that in. <laughs> You'll support your kids when they have friends or they make those choices, right? And and that's happened with my yeah. kids, and and I'm happy to to support them, whatever choices them and their friends make. And, and so that, that, is, that, is moving, that is moving the yardsticks. Yeah, exactly. And in, in that way, we have participated. Mm-hmm. We have participated, right? Because we supported movements in the right direction. Yeah, it would be easy to, yeah. easy to put on your MAGA hat and argue against it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah. did, right? A lot of people do, yeah. right? But we don't, yeah. so... so. There we go. Little pat on the. Yeah. I want to push one more thing back. Is I would disagree that every fifty-year-old <laughs> we feels the same way, and only because 
we have a very good argument that the last 40 to 50 years, and in particular the last 20 to 25, has seen such a steep rise in every evolution. Like, there is nothing, there's no topic on Earth that we can't say has either gone crazy up or crazy down in the last 25 years. I think we have seen more change than any other generation before. Like, really, we, we have. The next generation, it's going to be exponentially higher than us. Well, whatever. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about right now. I think that's the point that Bruce was making. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the rate of change is exponential. So every generation yeah. sees more total change over the course of their lives than the generation before. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was more or less impactful. Hey, why don't you go fuck yourself? Yeah. I don't know why Alex is marrying you. <laughs> you fucking sanctimonious. So I just... <laughs> I pitched it first as best wedding you've ever been to that wasn't your own or wasn't one of ours. I'll happily open that up to wedding stories. So when we graduated from high school, I went to Bata Shoes. Was that the place in the city center mall? Do you guys remember yeah, Bata? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, right across from the fountain. Yeah, right across from the fountain. And I bought a pair of dress shoes, which at the time probably set me back a little bit, but looking back were... <laughs> they were not expensive. 40 bucks. Yeah, probably. And they were worth 20 bucks. It's funny how in those days we just referred to them as dress shoes. <laughs> dress shoes. <laughs> I still do. I have now worn those shoes to almost every big event in my life. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Jesus. <laughs> 35 years ago in the same parachute. It's true. It's hilarious. They're ill-fitting. They're they're banged up. They have tassels. <laughs> Your feet have grown a size and a half since then. <laughs> they have some cuts in the toes. If I had gone to your weddings, I, they would have would have been there. They were at my wedding. They were at my my mom's second wedding, my grandmother's funeral, like everything. Dude, those are your wedding They're shoes. They're my wedding you shoes. You better show up at my wedding wearing those shoes. Here's the funny thing. They're mostly successful. Oh. <laughs> Weddings and funerals. Well, funerals are easier to be successful at. The only two fumbles so far, the only two letdowns in these shoes, Steve and Christy and Andrea Lowen and Lee McIver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I still have yeah. the shoes and I will be wearing them at your weddings. George, do you have any idea when you're going to get married yet? Like you said, you're going to do it out east somewhere, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to trump uh, that you've worn the same pair of shoes <laughs> for 35 years to all like graduations, weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs. Everything. Everything. Every, every big event. Uh, but <laughs> every big event. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't ask you to trump that. I simply asked you when you thought you might get married. <laughs> Oh, like Megan, I'm trying to avoid answering. <laughs> exactly. like, dude, Megan can't hear you right. Oh, maybe she can. Maybe that's why you can't answer. I'm so used to this question. I just, I go immediately into defense mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're in a safe space here, George. You can tell us what you Yeah. Can. So uh, I have like a couple of bang, bang moments for uh, weddings because I have a, a couple of funny memories. One, I haven't been to a really good wedding in a long time and I'm kind of missing it for all the reasons that we've said. It ends up being, especially when it's not your wedding, everybody has so much more fun than you at your own wedding. And I haven't been to like a good Indian wedding for a long time. Like takes place like over two or three days. Uh, those are just like so magnificent. So I would just like 
just anybody, if anybody wants to invite Snow Day, <laughs> we would come and do a pod at your wedding just so we could show up to a great 100%. party. 100%. So when you said you're you're getting married east, you meant India? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Far, the far east. I'm going to start saving right now, George. I'm in. Start bottle collecting. Save all those five cents. Collecting my cans. Yep, exactly. <laughs> So I'm actually kind of excited that there are some potential weddings in the future because I think it'll be super fun. Uh, I remember as a kid what a big deal it was to go down to Winnipeg for a wedding. And of course, I was always related to family. So the extended Portuguese family would have a wedding. And I remember I may have been very close to or very near after my first real kiss with a girl at a wedding oh. in Winnipeg when I was like a little kid. You know, like I would guess that was probably 11, 12, 13, like in that neighborhood. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember exactly. Well, 17 actually, but. I distinctly remember like kissing a girl as a child, like Sebastian's age at a wedding in Winnipeg. You know, not minding that the girl had like the beginning of a mustache because <laughs> uh, I was just so excited about it. It was a Portuguese wedding. <laughs> that was a given. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in case people didn't get that. Uh, fast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all night. Try to be it's delicious. Uh, a second funny thing actually involves Les's uh, wedding only because of how far I flew. So I think it's fair to say that I probably made the most effort out of anyone else because yeah. we were living in Australia. It was so convoluted because I was also applying for a couple of jobs. I think I interviewed in Toronto and yeah, Calgary. Yeah. I had to go to Winnipeg and I was, we went to Winnipeg first then to Calgary, then to Toronto, then to Vancouver. Like it was such, it was like the stupidest schedule ever. One of us that wasn't me ended up getting food poisoning. So we couldn't actually attend Les's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> so I flew, you know, 15,000 kilometers of return <laughs> to not attend a wedding. I love this story. <laughs> I think I got one drink in at your ceremony and then had to leave because the other person was so sick. Like, it was terrible. Now that I think of it, I think that's my favorite story from my wedding day. <laughs> I, 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 could, yeah, I, could, I couldn't attend because I was nursing a super sick person from the night before. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact, Bruce, that my buddies had such a huge debaucherous party the night before my wedding. <laughs> Drinking till yeah, three or four o'clock in the morning. It's like it's, it's insane. Yeah, you were smart enough to say, I gotta get out of here, man. It's like midnight. I'm getting married tomorrow. I totally did. I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here because I know how these nights go and I'm, I'm getting out of here. Now I manned up. Like I drank like a fucking demon, but there was no way I was not making it. Yeah, the, the other person didn't do, didn't finish so well. That's probably my funniest story. It's uh, traveling halfway around the world, literally, and not attending the wedding. Oh, or for a very short period of time. I'm going to give you guys my word that I'm not going to do this to you for my wedding. Two summers ago, so summer of 2019, just before the pandemic, I had two of my close friends get married that summer. And one of the weddings was, the first one was in the south of France, and the second one was in <laughs> Scotland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like... Jesus Christ, could you guys pick cheaper places to get married? I wanted to like, jump in when George was talking about me. destination wedding on that. Like, I see totally both sides yeah. of it. Like, this is a great three-day party, except now I'm spending money to go on your vacation, basically, right? And, yeah, well, and thing, I got right? to like, really want it. Like, it, if it hits, it hits. And if it doesn't hit, it's shitty. This is not a small commitment. 
Well, that's the thing. And I remember saying to my buddy, especially the one, I mean, the one that, that we went to in France, he has lived all over the world and his friends were coming from all over the world. Okay. So literally if he had gotten married in North America, it would have been um, inconvenient and expensive for the other half of his friends. So it, he probably had more European friends there than North yeah. American friends. So that one I understood. But <laughs> the one that was in Scotland, it's like my buddy from Toronto just decided, man, I'll just get married <laughs> in Scotland. So literally everybody was flying. Like 90% of the people there flew from Canada. So it was just outrageously expensive for everybody. <laughs> Most guys went without their wives and kids, right? Because it's like, dude, I can't, I'm not going to fly like my whole family over here. <laughs> like it's like ridiculously expensive. But it it was a it, it was a good time, but I think though when 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 you generally say destination wedding, I think what George is referring to is like go get married on the beach in Mexico, right? Where a prefab, yeah, prefab. Where it's like, and the reason you make that decision is because there's like it takes all of the planning like off the table. You just say, Bruce, this is the resort, this is the date. You guys book your own trip and if you don't want to stay at the resort stay at a cheaper one next door like whatever it is yeah, you just know, go do your thing yeah. it, make that your your winter vacation you guys uh do a, a week on the beach in mexico and one of those afternoons we're going to get married and that's like all there kind of is is to it you cut your attendee list by 80 <laughs> percent, right and uh you just have a quick and yeah. dirty wedding but the flip side is you cut out a lot of people who, when you look back, go, ah, you know, it's kind of shitty that they couldn't afford to come or they, you know, couldn't whatever. get the time off, and, blah, 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 uh, blah, blah. Couldn't get the time off or, yeah, yeah so. All that stuff. And I yeah. totally see that. Marnie went to one of those, which was exactly that. They did a ladies trip and one of the days was going to the wedding of one of their friends and had a great time, yeah. right? So, but, but yeah. You, yeah. It does get you out of all the planning. <laughs> I will be, for the record, we will be getting married in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, probably I'm going to guess like about a year from now. Same thing that George said. Like the only thing I said to Alex was I do not want to get married in the summer because I hate having to wear a suit or a tuxedo in the heat of the summer in Toronto. I've been to too many weddings where you stand around just sweating and you're like so fucking uncomfortable. And she was like, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. So that was like literally my only input. Please don't make, make me get married in August in Toronto. <laughs> How about Thanksgiving? Long weekend? Yeah, like this time of year when it's... Not too warm to wear a tux and carry the Mun Cup around. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. You bring the Stanley Cup guy and we're we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hunt that guy down. I haven't seen him in 15 years. He probably still lives in the same I'm house. Sure. I can probably still find him. I'm, I'm sure he does. Jamie Shanks, I was the... I wasn't his best man, but I was a speaker at his wedding. I might've been the MC. I don't know what it was, but I had, I did a speech for Shanks. Um, so Marnie and I drove to Regina. Him and I had ex letters, legitimate letters before emails to the point where I wrote his whole speech off of words that he had written. So things that he had sent to me, he had described his wife when he met her and he, and he's such a incredible writer that you can't not use that material. Yeah. She was a red-haired crackerjack that could spit through a Cheerio. I knew I had to marry her, right? Like all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, that was my whole speech was his words. That's awesome. We man. drove out there yeah. and I was so nervous about it. It was one of the first wedding speeches I had done that Marnie drove at least half the way and I read that speech over and over out loud a hundred times. And she corrected me. It was bulletproof to the point where yeah. I joke, like if I got sick, she could have delivered that better than me <laughs> without a script. <laughs> 
and and it, and it went over awesome. Like it, it was super good. <laughs> Jim Rudd got married at uh, uh, what's it called? It's a fort in St. Boniface in Winnipeg. So. Fort Gibraltar. <laughs> Marnie just yelled it down from... Fort, Fort so Fort Gibraltar, yeah. and they have the whole throwback thing going. And so they had the the forge going where they were making horseshoes and somebody baking bread, oh, nice. the whole, you know, period thing. And then the wedding was inside the big hall and, and she walked yeah. through the gates of the fort and they showed up in a canoe and then they had fireworks at the end of the night. Like it was just... <laughs> Did you guys drink meat? We didn't. We, we should have though. Uh, smoking Bob's hot dog cart was the other thing that Jim had was the snacks. You know how you usually get pretzels? No. He had a hot dog cart out of the fireworks. That's how you do it. We've always been together with four of a kind, having fun all day, piling around and laughing away. Just best friends, best friends are we. That's the end. Tell your friends to find us on social media at snowdaypod. We have an email to snowdaypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We are Snow Day Podcast. Thanks to the rest of our team, our brother Steve, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Bison.